0: to Season 4 of Writers' Festival Radio, broadcasting from the unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg. My name is Sean Wilson. I'm the Artistic Director of the Ottawa International Writers' Festival, Canada's festival of ideas since 1997. Thank you for supporting authors and booksellers, and each other. Today, on Episode 6, we're thrilled to be presenting a conversation with Jean Van Loon, Our host, David O'Mara, is one of my absolute favorite poets, an acclaimed playwright, and a dynamic organizer within Ottawa's poetry community. David's most recent collection is Masses on Radar. Now, let's turn it over to Dave, who will introduce us to today's guest, Jean Van Loon, and her new collection, Nuclear Family.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ottawa International Writers Festival podcast. Today, we've got Jean Van Loon, uh, an Ottawa poet, uh, and we will be hearing about her new book. Uh, Jean is uh, an, uh, lives in Ottawa where she writes fiction and poetry. Her first book, um, Building on River, a poetry collection about J.R. Booth, who was a lumber baron in Bytown many years ago, uh, was a finalist for the Ottawa Book Award. Her new book, Uh, called Nuclear Family, is a vivid portrayal of the mid-20th century and a deeply personal act of memory. Drawing on the memories of her childhood and the tragic loss of suicide to suicide of her father, a metallurgist who contributed to the Manhattan Project, the poems meaningfully examine pain and consequence on both global and personal scales. So welcome, Jean.
2: Thank you, David.
1: It's great to have you here today and congratulations on the wonderful book. And wow, what a cover too.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful cover. I couldn't have imagined one that good. <laughs>
1: um, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a, um, a teacup, uh, an image of a teacup that's been sort of radiated into this sort of glowing green um, color. Um, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment uh, because I think it does encapsulate uh, the concerns of the book. Um, but first, I've asked Jean to read a few poems from the book as a sort of introduction. So, so please, Jean, take it away.
2: Thank you, David. Um, the poems in the book kind of radiate around the central act of suicide. And so I thought I would read one from before, one in the moment, and one after. Father lore. At the dining table, you hold the naked wooden spool in your pipe yellow fingers. The boys and I lean into your smoky aura to watch your pocket knife notch a slot across one end, flick off the red tip of an Eddie Strike Anywhere match. You snap a piece of the matchstick to fit the slot, not beyond, slip a thick elastic around it and through the spool's center. At the other end, you loop a longer shaft, turn the long arm round and round till the rubber tugs both sticks tight. Set on the table, the spool rolls like a tractor, long arm a plow, a small strange journey out of your faraway youth. We stare wrapped until the elastic slackens. You and the boys tire of it. I rewind the elastic, twisting your boyhood close. Second poem is called Fallout. 23 fishermen chase tuna in a South Pacific zone outside US restrictions. They watch sunrise in the West, catch ash. Gray snow in their hands. The half life of the crew, 90 minutes. Survivors die slowly, years long torture, skin tormented, their newborns twisted. It's unreasonable, says Edward Teller, to make such a big deal over the death of a fisherman. In 1958, on a woodsy street in the new Ottawa suburb in a house my parents designed. My father, a bit of a pacifist, my mother later explains, rises one morning and detonates his brain. And the third poem is called Chinese Food. Home from Ho Ho Cafe with Shirley and her family. The mercury long and low as seen on Ed Sullivan gears that change at a chrome button's click. Jane steps from the car, tongue sweet from pineapple chicken, flushed cheek from Chinese tea, lips soy saucy, laughing. Sorry for your loss, calls the girl across the street, face somber. Jane's laugh cuts, short, frozen, between the car, where nothing has changed. And the house where nothing's the same.
1: Thank you, Jean. Um I think, yeah, the, those choice of readings really capture the sort of uh several concerns in the book. And also um, uh, you know, the, the the book has its as its central pivot. Um, well, your father and his act of suicide. Um the book isn't just about your father. It's about time period and society. It's about reevaluations of family and technology. It's about loss and memory. Um, but it explores these things through so the focus of your father and his role in the atomic energy program. Um, can you tell me about him a little?
2: Well, he um, he was born in Melville, Saskatchewan, and uh, lived there till his mother died when he was six. At which time uh, it was decided that he and his siblings should stay together and go and live with an aunt who lived in Winnipeg. So effectively, he lost his father and his mother. Mm. His older brother was eight years older and his sister 11 years older. So he must have been pretty much on his own. Um, and then when it came to him, time for him to go to university, He would have liked to be a doctor, but uh, like his big brother. But unlike his big brother, he came of age in the Depression and Mm -hmm. there wasn't money for it. So he went into chemistry where there were fellowships available. And uh, eventually he got a PhD from McGill. And uh, his thesis supervisor, his dissertation supervisor uh, was appointed to head up the National Research Council in Ottawa, and hired him to come, so that's how he came here.
1: Yeah, he was. I mean, he was there, sort of at the forefront of of, of all the research um, that was going on at the time at, that did contribute to the Manhattan Project. Were you aware at the time of the the nature of the no, work? I,
2: I'd just did? like to clarify yeah. that a little bit. I mean, he personally didn't. His work was uh, peripheral, but supportive. Right.
1: He was yeah. a metallurgist. Is that correct? A
2: metallurgist, and yeah. uh, he worked on uh, radioactive materials, to help helping improve technologies for refining those and separating them, and so on. And he worked on ore from Great Bear Lake. Now he didn't go to the lab that was that was working on this during the Manhattan Project okay. until two years after, but uh, Great Bear Lake continued to supply. Uh, uranium during the period of all this testing that went on from uh, the end of the Manhattan Project through the 50s.
1: Right, right. Um, and and w- was he traveling a lot uh, because of that?
2: Yes, he, yeah. he went, he traveled to Australia, South Africa, and of course to uh, Great Bear Lake, where he was once stranded for six weeks after his forecast time (laughs) because the spring breakup happened and he couldn't get out either on a float plane or a ski plane so uh, the travel was difficult and he went these far distances at a time when a DC-8 was the fastest plane available Mm -hmm. and so they were Long trips away, and I think that must have been very hard on both him and my mother.
1: Sure, of course, and and I suspect on 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 his three kids, you and your two brothers, is that right?
2: Um, well, to my mother's credit, we didn't feel it that badly, no, because mm-hmm. he was a he was a real fifties dad. Right, he went to work and earned the money, and mom looked after the kids. Mm-hmm. and so he wasn't a huggy dad and you he, i think he didn't know how to play mm-hmm. so he didn't play with us a lot he required prompting <laughs>
1: okay <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, you know the, the 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 book particularly the first half really captures a kind of uh, 50s scene a, a kind of a burgeoning affluent society uh, you know, I love all the details, um, things like tootsie rolls and dinky cars, all of those uh, things that sort of capture a certain time period. Um, when you were entering the book and writing about these poems, were you recalling this uh, stuff from memory um or or did you talk to people, or was it just something naturally that came out as you're working on the poems?
2: it it was pretty much from memory.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, When I got started writing it, um, periodically things come up in the media anyway, you know, Facebook Mm -hmm. remember Tootsie Rolls, remember stuff like that. And so I, you know, there are little verifications there, but my memories at that time are quite vivid because of the age I was. Uh, At the age I was roller skating down Bank Street at rush hour, um, I was, maybe eight or nine. And it's just the age when you're out exploring your neighborhood on your own. Mm-hmm. And it all feels very vivid.
1: Well, it comes across in the poems that way, certainly. Um, the, As mentioned, the book kind of pivots on, on your father's suicide. Um, I get the sense that he was a hard you know you you describe him as a man of few words or others have just had described him that way in the in the book um you you note that you, there's no record of his reaction to hiroshima um and this sort of central mystery of your father comes up in the book um was this a was the, the book in some ways an attempt to try to understand who he was
2: yes you you got it Um, after I finished the Booth book
1: Mm -hmm.
2: where I felt I had imagined myself into a man I'd never known, um, I thought, well, you know, I've always been curious about my father. I thought maybe I can do the same thing, but he was not a public figure. And so there weren't pages of reminiscences when, in the newspapers, when he died.
1: Yes, sure.
2: So I I didn't have much to work with so I it, I guess the book kind of veered to just trying to find meaning in in that central event in all of our lives.
1: Sure. Um and and it 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 sort of um it circles outward uh on the facts of your family. Um we also get a sense of the effect on your mother, which you explore in, in the second half of the book. Can you tell me a little bit about her?
2: Uh, well, she herself describes herself as growing up a very sheltered childhood. She, her parents built a new house on Renfrew Avenue in the Glebe. Okay. <laughs> when, when it was unpaved and had no trees. <laughs> <breeze. laughs> and uh, she grew up there. And they were a a close family and um, had extended family in Kingston and up on farms in the Barrie area. Um, And when she was growing up, you know, she and her family would go to a a family cottage outside Kingston, and she met with all kinds of cousins and everything. And uh, she went to Queens. She said that her parents really protected her from feeling the depression. She never lacked for anything, mm. although they weren't rich. My grandfather had uh, trained as a Presbyterian minister at Queens, uh, but he had a heart condition that didn't allow him to do what were then quite rigorous activities of a of an actual minister with a with a pastoral charge. So he worked in the post office and uh, in administration, and. Uh, did the occasional guest uh, sermon at Lee United Church. (laughs) Anyway, she she went to Queens and did well, got a good degree. Um, Then as mentioned in one of the poems, when she was hired to the Bank of Canada for the foreign exchange review board, control board, uh, was one of the wartime uh, institutions she and all her female colleagues were hired as clerks and all the males were hired as analysts. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So uh, the place of women in the workplace was very clear. Right. And when she got engaged, they held a farewell party for her. Because married women didn't work. Right. God.
1: So they met through work.
2: Well, through her brother, actually, um, he himself—he was a quite a character. He never did anything he didn't want to do. So he went to university, but didn't graduate. He was told he could be a concert pianist if he practiced, but he didn't practice. Um, so he wound up working at the post office, too, no doubt through the efforts of his father. Anyway, he had a lot of friends who were scientists, and through them. Um, he met my father and introduced him to my mother.
1: Right, all these little stories. I mean, you capture, uh, you know, so many things in this book—the relationships, the people, the family members, the, you know, the the parties, um, all these things. And and in the second half, regarding your mother too, you get the sense of how she was trying to maintain. Uh, a normalcy, in the same way that you just said about how her parents tried to shield her from, uh, you know, the depression and that. Did you get, did, did you feel that way when you were, when you were writing these poems, that you were getting a clearer sense of that?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I was, I was already pretty proud of her th- for that, mm-hmm. because she could have hit the bottle. She could have sat around feeling sorry for herself. She could have married something, someone totally inappropriate and made our lives a misery forevermore, but she didn't. She mm. saw what needed to be done and she went out and did it. She got a job and she wound up having quite a good career.
1: Yeah, she, she, she comes across as very resilient and, and got into an interesting career, isn't it right?
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Writing reports. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I thought she was involved with, um, uh, the, not the, the spy agency, but. Um,
2: yeah, the uh, Communications Security Establishment is now called, back in the day it was called the National Research Council Communications Branch. Right. But all she was allowed to say about her work was that she wrote reports.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Um, did Now, you, you mentioned the Rhodes book in the back, I mean, it, it, it seems to me there's several poems uh, that, you know, you suggest you were required doing a bit of research, even though you were had very, you know, personal connections to a, a lot of the material in this. This sort of afforded you to do a little bit of studying on, um, you know, the, the science at the time. Is that not right?
2: Yes. Now, don't ask me about that, because I've gone back and studied it several times, but it doesn't stick. <laughs>
1: I'm the same with that kind of stuff.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it was fascinating to think what the Manhattan Project must have been like for the scientists involved. The intensity and the the high-powered intellect, all working together across disciplines. Uh, It was extraordinary.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I noticed that you you employed the use of uh, pseudonyms in the book. Uh, was that an attempt to create some emotional distance from the material?
2: Yes. Um, initially, when I started to write these, I thought, uh, I can't do it, was I. <laughs> so I I get, used the names Dick and Jane from the 1950s mm-hmm. readers. Um, and then I set it aside. I set it aside many times because it was hard. and. Uh, When I came back to it, I thought, if I'm going to do this, I have to be honest, and I'm going to write I. But I was still hesitant about using anybody else's name. So I didn't. And when the manuscript went to McGill Queen's, Alan Hepburn, the editor, said, you know, it gets pretty boring reading about I and mom and dad and my brothers. can't you use some can't these people have names (laughs) so I went back to Dick and Jane just for variety Mm -hmm. but there were some poems that I still felt had to be I so I kept the I in those so I hope it's not confusing
1: no it's not actually and and you know at first, I mean, you, you chose the right names, Dick and Jane and things like that, which are, you know, very, uh, as you say, they're very located in that era. Um, but What I found is it, it, it added a, a universality to, to some of the poems, you know, that it was, it, was, it was about your experience, but it was also sort of capturing a wider lens uh, to some degree. I think the effect was interesting. And then when, when it does focus down to the eye, I think it becomes more dramatic. I think the effect uh, is 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 there for sure. Um, Thank
2: you for saying that.
1: you know I, I want to ask you a few questions about the writing, so you, you said that you'd been um, you'd had this idea before the booth book. Is that right? or you you or at least you wanted to write about this. How did that all start?
2: Well, I mean I, I always wanted to, to make sense out of it. Uh, But I didn't really sit down in a disciplined way to write something till I took my first ever creative writing workshop. And uh, that was at Carleton. And I made the mistake of reading all the advice for beginning writers to, you know, go where the pain is, write what haunts you and all that stuff. And I didn't have the tools. Right. So it was a catastrophe. (laughs) And it was... It really shook me, and um, you, you, so thought the, you thought the the another... story
1: was bad is that what you're saying? yeah, okay
2: uh, I set it aside for another twenty years.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, okay <laughs>
2: <laughs> but then, as i say after after the booth book, um, I thought i could I could try using poetry, and i Long ago my husband said he liked my poems better than my stories. And um in many ways I feel more comfortable with poetry than um a, a complete narrative because I can just hit the high points.
1: Right. Yeah, it's a different it's a different focus, isn't it? hmm do you feel like uh, writing the booth book prepared you to to write these poems that you you know you said when you were talking about writing that story that you didn't have the tools do you feel like you know the, the 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 writing of the booth book gave you confidence and led you into being able to tackle this
2: Yes I think so but also there were you know 20 years of or 15 or more years writing short fiction so I was just honing the writing skills all that time. So it all it all helped me feel ready. And in addition, I have this wonderful writing group, the Ruby Tuesdays, who meet every week and I could bring work to them and they would be give me honest but kind feedback. (laughs) Wonderful. So it really helped me get going. Also um two weeks I spent at Sage Hill in 2017 really got me started because I was looking for another project uh, to work on. I seemed to need a a larger frame to work toward. Um, And I wanted to get started on it so there'd be something. When my first book got accepted and I would get distracted with all that And so I went to Sage Hill and I just wrote down a brain spill uh, under the title, They Came. And I I described it in my application as uh, notes toward notes, towards notes, toward a poem. (laughs) 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 Um, um, When I got there, now I'm having a mind blank the wonderful poet who led that, just look it up. Anyway, he said, actually, I think it's very close to a poem. (laughs) Okay. You just need to work, Tim Lilburn.
1: Tim Lilburn, okay, yes.
2: He said, just need to work on the anaphora, emphasize that a little bit more and blah, blah. So uh, that gave me my first poem and the extraordinary um, mood at that session. Uh, had me churning out poems about, you know, the early part, from the early part of the book.
1: Wow. So, I mean, it really it, it really did start there. It's it, it sort of, uh, even though you've been thinking about it for a long time, those poems yeah. really came out it of that. It gave me a,
2: a real foundation uh, to build on
1: wow, that's a that's a great testament to to writing retreats for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, you know the the thing about uh, a project too is it it often has a long you know uh, marination process of of you know sitting on things and thinking about uh, how one can approach them before before you can actually get started on it, wouldn't you think? Yes, for sure and so you you were from then on you were exclusively working on this project how did you how did you find it did it differ from your experience with writing the booth thing i'm thinking uh you know because of the personal nature of this book it must have had a different feel for you and it's different challenges as well
2: yes it it certainly did um, the booth book it was It was fun,
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm, right?
2: And uh, often this wasn't fun to write. I'm I'm proud of what it is, but it at times it was extremely difficult. And at one point, I, I think another theme of the book is not talking about this enormous event, right? In our family, we never talked about it. And so I, I had a draft. And I thought, I can't go anywhere with this draft without letting my brothers have a say. Because it's their story, too.
1: Sure. And I was going to ask you about that. Did, did yeah, you show it to them?
2: So I showed it to them. And one brother said, it's great. I thought. Now, what does that mean? Because he's a person who's a man of few words also. (laughs) Uh Uh Um, But then he said he'd send it to all his kids. Because he had never talked to them about it. So I thought, okay, that's all right. Yeah. The other brother, I heard nothing. I heard nothing. I thought, oh, God. I told him that it's painful stuff. He might not even want to read it, and then that would be okay. But... And so I didn't want to prod. I didn't want to push him. Um, And then he sent me an email saying, could you send that thing again? Okay. (laughs) I sent it to him. And he, too, sent it to all his kids. Wow. And there was such an outpouring from him. Of stuff I had never heard before that was shocking and really upsetting, right? Uh, and so you know, after that, the book was modified, and uh, my other brother he he corrected some things for me that were important, and uh, so you know it was it, it was enormously satisfying, and they both said how glad they are that I wrote this. Wow. Um, it is as if they have felt seen.
1: Mhm. And it almost seems like them giving it to their kids was a way of them being able to talk about it with the kids that maybe yes. they weren't able to. Yes. Wow. Um you know, one of the the powerful things about the book is it doesn't draw any conclusions on anything. It 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 presents the stories and the, the atmosphere of the times uh, very vividly, but without you know, making any kind of <coughs> philosophical or moral uh, you know, template on, on the material. Um, do you think writing this book allowed you to at least process to some degree um, or bring you to some realization about, about what happened?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone will ever understand why. Mm. And I don't think there's ever, for a suicide, one reason. I think there are a number of factors that come together and the person is then not able to um, withstand the the next stress. (laughs) All right. And uh, so, yeah, well, I learned a lot living through that experience. Sure. That the the things you can't change, and if you spend your time grieving or raging about those things, you're not going to harm anyone but yourself. So you need to learn manage how you respond to it, and uh, that's been useful many times. Sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The more I learned, the more complicated it all seemed to me and the less um susceptible or to judgment
1: sure so. and that that comes across in the collection um i think we can leave it there i i, I you know it's a um it's a powerful portrait of people uh people in your family your parents uh the people around you, the, the times itself. And, and it really, it really captures the age too. Um, it's a wonderful read. So congratulations again. And thank you for uh, talking to me today about the book. Well,
2: thank you so much for your interesting questions. I really enjoyed talking to you.
0: That was David O'Mara in conversation with Jean Van Loon about her new collection, Nuclear Family thanks to all our patrons volunteers and donors and thanks to the government of canada the government of ontario the city of ottawa the ontario arts council the canada council for the arts ottawa public library Carleton university and cbc for their ongoing support this podcast is produced by aaron flynn original music and sound engineering by mike dubay kira harris is our program director and i'm sean wilson thank you for listening